Well, good morning. Well, between the time Joe told you I was preaching and now, not too many of you got up and left, so that's encouraging. Uh, and we'll see how that goes for the rest of the time. No, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. My name is Brian Clayberg. If you're a guest, special welcome to you this morning. Uh, normally, I have the privilege and the honor of leading us week to week through the, uh, the worship aspect, uh, in, meaning music, the musical aspect of worship. Uh, and this week, I have the privilege and honor of leading us in the preaching or the teaching aspect. And I'm thrilled to do that, and I'm honored to do that, um, thankful to do that. And we're going to talk this morning about biblical wisdom. Biblical Wisdom, and the title of my message is Walking in Biblical Wisdom, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Let's just jump right in, shall we? Here's what it says. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's kind of the main theme or the thrust of what I want us to get to this morning. Here's kind of the main point that I want us to understand. As believers... We need to guard our lives by walking in biblical wisdom. That is what the Apostle Paul is going to try to get us to understand. He's writing to this church in Ephesus or the people in the surrounding area, and he's trying to get them to understand a few things that they really need to guard their lives, or as he's going to coin it, their walk. You've probably used this language before. Maybe you've said, hey, how's your walk with the Lord going? Uh, That comes from this text and this idea that Paul is going for. And so he's He's going to give them some, some foundational truths. In fact, you can break the book of Ephesians up in a lot of different ways. One way that you could look at it is break into two parts. In the first half of the book, uh, the Apostle Paul gives us some real foundational theological ideas. He talks about our union with Christ and receiving spiritual blessings. He talks about grace and mercy and how those things work with faith. He talks about salvation and a lot of real deep theological foundational things in the first half of the book or the letter. And in the second half of the book, he then goes on to apply those things to our life. If we're to understand the foundational theological approaches, how should that affect our lives or our walk? And he's saying that we need to guard our walk and that we need to walk in wisdom. He said a couple other things before this. In fact, in verse 2 of chapter 5, he also says we need to walk in love. And in verse 8 of chapter 5, he tells us that we are to walk in light. And then we come to our passage in verse 15, and he tells us, here's another thing you need to walk in as a believer, and that's wisdom, and that's wisdom. And so the first thing, the first point that we want to go after this morning is the importance of biblical wisdom, because it is important. Verses, uh, let's just look at it, walk through it again. Verses 15 and 16 say, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Now, we're going to talk about several real vague concepts this morning, and the first one we get to is just that, wisdom. I think that's one thing that is hard for us to kind of grasp, maybe hard for us to really define what is wisdom, how do we define that, how do we grasp it, how do we walk in that, what does that look like? Our English dictionaries would define wisdom this way, the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of having experience knowledge, and good judgment. But I think if we're being honest, even that definition is lacking. Because we know that you can have 
experience and not have wisdom. I know a lot of younger guys that display more wisdom than some older experienced men. Uh, You can have knowledge and know things and still lack wisdom. You can display sound judgment and still lack wisdom. So it's kind of this vague concept. Like, what does that really mean? What does that look like for us to walk in biblical wisdom? And the first thing that we need to understand is that the Bible's definition of wisdom is very different from the worldly definition of wisdom. You see, actually, Scripture has a lot to say about wisdom. In fact, there are a section of books in the Bible that are called the wisdom literature. That's the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And the Bible has a lot to say on this. You know, actually, the wisest man who ever lived was King Solomon. And you know what King Solomon said about wisdom? You've probably heard this before. Here's what he said. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is the wisest man that ever walked the earth, maybe apart from Christ, obviously. And he said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That true fear of the Lord is true wisdom. At least it's the starting point. Now, it's something that we need to talk about briefly here is that this fear that is talked about is not a fear like a terror. Uh, This is not a fear that that God's going to strike you down with a thunderbolt. What is referenced here is that there should be a reverencing in your life for God. There should be a humility, there should be an awe factor and a respect that you have for God. And the wisest man that ever lived, he said, that's the beginning of wisdom. If you want to walk in biblical wisdom, it has to start with a fear, a reverence of God. You cannot walk in true wisdom, at least biblically, unless you start there. So, Paul is going to tell us that we need to walk in wisdom. So we need to understand what wisdom is. We know the starting point is the fear and a reverence for God. But what is the rest of it and how do we obtain it? So maybe for our sake, what, what might be helpful is if we uh, hold wisdom up to something that maybe we know a little bit more about and we compare and contrast those things. See, the Apostle Paul does this, so we can do it as well. He loves to compare and contrast things. So if we take wisdom, and maybe we put it next to something like knowledge, and we can can understand knowledge a little bit uh, more clearly. We can understand what that means. But wisdom and knowledge are very different. Wisdom is not just knowledge, but it's the right use of knowledge. Here's a quote that I found. This is from Charles Spurgeon. Here's what he says. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And I think that that's helpful. Wisdom is not just knowledge. It's the right use of knowledge. And so here's the the first thing that I really want us to understand. It's this. Biblical wisdom begins with a fear or a reverence of God, and it continues in how we apply the knowledge of God to our life. That's walking in biblical wisdom. So there's this sense that we need to start with a healthy respect and a reverence for God, and then as we begin to walk with him, as we begin to grow in our sanctification, learn more about who God is, what he desires for us, and we correctly apply those things to our life the right use of knowledge, then we are walking in biblical wisdom. And Paul tells us we need to guard this and we need to walk in wisdom. Why? Do you remember why he said? He said because the days are evil. And when he's talking about days here, he's not referencing a specific time. He's referencing a general one. It would be more like saying uh, we live in an evil age or more simply put, we live in an evil world. 
He's saying, we live in an evil world, so we need to guard our wisdom. And it's something that we should understand, right? We live in an evil world. Now, I know that there's a lot of good things and beautiful things and righteous things that take place. But in general, for the most part, you have to be honest and admit, we live in a fallen, broken, evil world. And if you don't believe that, just flip on the evening news and watch for a minute. Right? I mean, it won't be long until you see the depravity of man and the results of a fallen world on display. We live in a broken, fallen world. And so Paul is, he's, he's trying to encourage us, if you're going to survive this walk with Christ, you've got to walk in love, you've got to walk in light, and you've got to walk in wisdom. And it's the wisdom that we're kind of going after more. And so what he's going to do is he's going to go on some contrasting ideas. You know, I think it's interesting, the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, he actually said, at the end of the age, knowledge will increase. Yeah. That's happening, isn't it? I mean, it can blow your mind to learn about some of the things that we as a society are learning about. We're growing in knowledge, growing in knowledge, but I'm left to wonder oftentimes, are we growing in wisdom? I don't think so. Because we are not biblically applying the knowledge in the right way. So what Paul is going to do is he's saying, we live in an evil world and we've got to walk in wisdom, so let me give you some contrasting ideas about what that looks like. He's going to give us two Two contrasting ideas, and the first one he's going to give us is this, foolishness versus understanding. Foolishness versus understanding. In verse 17, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be foolish. Contrast. Understand what the will of the Lord is. So the next point that we need to understand is this. In order to walk in biblical wisdom, we need to seek to understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, so here's vague concept number two. The will of the Lord. What is that? I mean, we struggle with that, don't we? I mean, we've probably said that to other people. I'm praying the will of God is done in your life. I'm praying for the will of God in my life. And it's this vague, kind of hard-to-understand concept that we don't really know what to do with. But it really doesn't have to be. And let me just share something with you that has been helpful for me in, in kind of understanding the will of God. There are two things that we can understand. First, there is God's general will, and there is God's particular will. God's particular will is just that. It's particular to each individual. It's different from person to person. This would be things like, you know, where I'm going to live, if I'm going to marry, who I'm going to marry, how many children we're going to have, what my career will be, how I'm going to use the gifts that God has given me, things that are specific and particular to each individual. And then there's God's general will, which is general for all believers, It's the same. But what we tend to do in seeking God's will is we try to leap over his general will and go straight to his particular will. i got to seek the particular will of God in my life. But if we would focus more on God's general will and we would stand and we would walk in that, it will be easier for us to decipher his particular will in our life. So what is his general will? Well, we don't have to overcomplicate it. Scripture tells us what it is. Uh, John Stott said it this way. He said, God's... God's will for God's people is always revealed through God's word. So here's the place where we could find it. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 18 says this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I've heard these uh, verses referred to as the standing orders of the gospel. I think that that's good. Like if there's something that as believers, we're just, we just need to stand firm in. 
It's this concept. That we would rejoice. That we would pray continually. That we would give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for us. Okay, so let's be honest. That's very difficult, right? I mean, that, we've heard that maybe, we've read that before, but to live that out is really, really hard. You know why it's hard? Because here's what it does not say. It does not say, hey, rejoice sometimes. Pray occasionally. Give thanks when you feel like it. That's not what Scripture says. It says always, continually, in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you. His general will. But yet that's difficult to understand. Or more difficult to apply. But here's the reality. The true impact of the gospel, if it's truly impacting my life and your life as a believer, it will look like this. So here's what I mean. In situations where there really should be no joy or no reason for rejoicing, and yet you are joyful and rejoice, the gospel has impacted your life. In situations where you are confused and, and, and maybe even situations where it's, there's clarity, and yet in either of those situations, you are constantly in communication with God. The gospel has impacted your life. And if your life is just marked by gratitude, if in all situations and circumstances you find you're in, any, any season of life that you're in, you're still thankful. The gospel has impacted your life. These are the standing orders of the gospel. This is the will of God for our lives. That we would rejoice always, that we would pray continually, and that we would give thanks in all circumstances. So that's the first thing he says. And let me just, let me just encourage you, if, if, if you're struggling to find God's particular will for your life, walk in his general will. And his particular will will be all the more clear. The second contrast he makes is this one. It's a contrast too. It's drunkenness versus being spirit-filled. comes from verse 18. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So here's the next point we need to make, just straight off of that. In order to walk in biblical wisdom, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's contrasting two different things. Saying, okay, don't, don't get drunk with wine, be filled. Okay, I know, I understand. Uh-oh. Here's another, here's another guy talking about drinking. What's he going to say? Don't mess up with my wine, right? Okay, don't freak out. This is not the text that we go to in order to talk about whether or not we should be drinking. Now, drunkenness, it ain't my words, Paul's. Take it up with him. But what Paul is trying to do, he's not going after a drunken argument here. He's trying to make a contrast. He's saying, don't be, you know how people get drunk with wine? Don't do that. First of all, it's debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like someone can be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's contrasting two ideas. Now, there is a similarity there. We would say that it's someone that's, that's drunk is under the influence of alcohol. And maybe someone that's um, filled with the Holy Spirit is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, whatever. If you want to make that similarity, that's fine. But that's where the similarities would end and the contrast would begin. And this is important. 
Because what people want to do is they want to take texts like this and they want to twist them out of their context and make it seem like it means that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you basically just lose all sense of control. That is not what the text is saying. Remember, Paul is contrasting two ideas. So to think that somehow to be filled with the Holy Spirit is some kind of spiritual inebriation that basically makes you lose all control of yourself is an error. On the contrary, what do we know from Galatians chapter 5? The last fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You see, when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't lose control, you gain control. And that's the better thing for us. That's what we need, right? We need control. We don't need to lose it. He's not going off of similarities. He's going off of contrast. We can't take that out of its context. So this is a vague topic number three now. (laughs) So we talked about wisdom and we talked about God's will and now we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? I thought we all had the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, his death for your sins, his resurrection for your redemption, he at that moment seals you with the Holy Spirit. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and that can never go away. But there are also times in our life where we receive special manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Special times where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you experience that, maybe in your own prayer or private time with the Lord or your communion or maybe in a worship setting, you've, you've maybe kind of experienced a filling up of the Holy Spirit, maybe at a time where there should be no reason for rejoicing and yet you rejoice and no reason for prayer and yet you pray and no reason to give thanks and yet you give thanks, filling up with the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe someone has prayed for you and you've just felt that and you've needed that and God has just blessed you with that manifestation. Paul says, you need that. Seek after that. If you're going to survive, you need that in your life. So how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay, so let's just go cliche again. Well, how do you get drunk? (laughs) I mean, you drink. You drink, you drink a lot. Okay, so how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You drink in the Spirit. You drink it in a lot. I mean, listen, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Jesus himself said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John writes, now these things he said about the Spirit. We fill our life up with the things of God. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit fills us up. We fill our life with the things of God. We we, we fill our life with the things of God, the word of God, the worship of God. We pray continually. We rejoice in all things. We give thanks in all things. We turn our mind to the things of the Lord. We meditate on those things. We seek God. When we do those things consistently in common, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is telling us again, this is an evil world. If you want to survive this as a believer... You've got to walk in love, you've got to walk in light, and you've got to walk in wisdom. We're dealing with wisdom. If we're going to walk in wisdom, then we need to understand what the will of the Lord is, and we need to stand in that, and we need to walk in that. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all things. And then he says, if you're going to also walk in wisdom, you need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And then what he's going to do from the remainder of the text is he's going to show us when you're doing those two things, here's what happens. In verse 19, it says this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the byproduct of when we're walking in biblical wisdom. This is the byproduct. So he gives kind of things, four things that we can kind of take from that, the byproduct of being spirit-filled or walking in wisdom. Here they are. Uh, Fellowship, worship, gratitude, submission. So fellowship. He says, uh, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This has to do with the aspect of fellowship within the corporate worship. Did you know that... uh, we don't, all the songs that we sing, there's some songs that we sing in the worship part of our, in the music part of our worship. There are some songs that we sing that are not sung to God. <laughs> He's a worship pastor and he just said, what? There are songs of proclamation. This is amazing grace. Let's sing it. Ready? Go. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Anymore. I'm going to fight the urge to lead you in worship right now. Okay. Um. This is amazing grace. We did not sing, God, your grace is amazing. What did we sing? This is amazing grace. It's a song of proclamation. It has to do with the aspect of fellowship within the corporate worship setting. I was asked one time from someone, hey, how come in our worship services it's always so celebratory? Like it's always so upbeat and joyful and celebratory. That's a good question. Uh, and, the, and it was an honest question. They actually asked, well, how come we don't do more like reflective songs? Um, maybe songs of lament. And that's a good question. And yes, I, I do believe that there are certain times and seasons in which the church maybe should lament together. But listen, the, the idea of our corporate worship is always meant to be celebratory. Always. That's how it's always been. The reality is that that's a hard tension to live in because I know that from week to week we come here in this place and there's a vast majority of people out, out there and up here as well that we're dealing with difficulty, uh, heartache, struggling with sin, dealing with loss, dealing with persecution. We're weary. We're anxious. And there's no part of us that wants to be in celebration. And many of you, even maybe this morning, are in that place. And we've been there as well. There are many Sundays where we come, even as leaders, even as a band, and we're in that state as well. There are many Sundays when the ministers come up to lead us, and we're in that state as well. But listen, here's the important thing. It's those times and it's in those valleys that I need the celebration that I need the fellowship of the worship that you guys will give. Because it's in those moments in the valley where I need to come into this setting, and even if I'm not feeling it, I hear you proclaiming, this is amazing grace. Our God is a consuming fire. He is a mighty fortress. Build your life upon his love. Those are the times that I and that you need to hear those truths. And we need to sing them to one another. 
And not all of our songs are necessarily sung to God. Yes, the motivation of our heart is to honor God in our music and to worship him. But sometimes we need songs of proclamation. There are songs that are important for us that when we proclaim something, there's power in that. There's power in that. So even if you're not feeling it, proclaim it and see what the Lord does. And then the next benefit or byproduct of being spirit-filled or walking in wisdom is worship. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So the first one, worship, is this horizontal an outward focus. And then worship is this vertical and inward response that when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're walking in God's will, there is a natural welling up of worship inside of us that we need to get out. The sincerity of our, of our worship. And then there's gratitude. Again, gratitude is mentioned. And it just reminds us that really as God's people, we need to be people who are always Always thankful. And this is another vertical and inward response. And then he says the last byproduct is submission. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That we should, there should be a humility. There should be a submission. In fact, he's going to go on with these later verses after this to talk more about that. How that looks in your marriage. How that looks in your family. The byproducts of walking in God's will and being spirit-filled are fellowship, worship, gratitude, and submission. So Paul is telling us, you guys are living in an evil age. We live in an evil world. We need to guard our lives. We need to guard our walks with God. And the way that we do that is we walk or we live in love We walk and we live in light and we walk and we live in wisdom. And if we're going to walk and to live in wisdom, we need to continue to stand and walk in God's will for our life. Rejoicing always, giving thanks, praying continually. And we also need to seek constantly to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To put our hearts and our minds on the things of God and be filled. And when when that is happening for us, There will be this beautiful, natural byproduct that will take place. And we'll all function as we should. And that's that's the reality. Let's face it, that this life is difficult. And it's hard. And if we're going to, uh, well, here's the last point. If we're going to stand up against this evil world and stay strong in our commitment to the Lord, then we need to walk in biblical wisdom. We need to seek His will understand his will, walk in his will, and be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. And then reap the benefits of the byproduct of when that's happening in our life. And so in just a moment, we're going to come to the conclusion of our service where we're going to have a moment to respond. And we do this every week purposefully because there should be a response from the church. And so whatever your response needs to be, I just hope that you would do that. And maybe if your response is, I just want to be firm in my commitment. I want to walk. I want to, I want to strive. I want to continue. I want to press on. I want to build my life on the foundation of your love. 
Maybe your response is that you need to stand or you need to continue to, to sit and just sing and pour your heart out to God in that way. I know that this has been a message that is basically tailored to people who are believers, but if you're here and for some reason you're not a follower of Christ, the Bible says you're walking in foolishness. I don't mean that to, to be crass. I'm just saying that's the, the worldly definition of foolishness is different from the biblical definition. We might think of foolishness as a lack of intelligence. The Bible doesn't say that. You know what the Bible says foolishness is? From Psalm 14, wisdom literature, it says the fool says in his heart there is no God. That's the biblical definition of foolishness. And, and, and we don't want that for you. The beginning of wisdom is reverence and fear of God. And so if you're here, and I would just hope your response time, even though this hasn't been a message of salvation necessarily, but that you would give your life to Christ and you would begin to walk in biblical wisdom. And for some of you, we'll be up here just like we normally are. If you have a prayer request and you want to come get some prayer, we'll be up here to receive you, to pray with you. We'd love to do that. If you want to join the church, you're welcome to come up and do that as well. But let's take a moment and let's respond. Let's recommit ourselves to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for giving us the tools that we need in order to fulfill your calling for our life, in order to defeat this world and to walk in the way that we need to to withstand this evil age. We thank you, God, that, um, that you've revealed your will to us, even as difficult as it might seem. Give us the strength to walk in that will, to stand firm in our commitment, to understand that if we're going to defeat this evil world, that we need to walk in wisdom and Father, we pray for wisdom. Your word tells us that if we lack it, just to ask you for it. And so, God, we ask that you'd give us a greater understanding of wisdom in our life and how we can walk in that. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And, God, we build our lives on the foundation of your love. And we give our lives to you and help us to walk in wisdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and respond.